Merry Christmas, everybody. I'm very delighted, A, to be in Athens, uh, Greece, and to be next to Vered Kaplan. Vered Kaplan is the CEO of Orgenesis, and she's going to tell us a few clues or a few um, insights in how to live longer as younger people. Uh, we're not obsessed about living forever because uh, I want to have a chance to be a woman, maybe, or be born in China and be born in India and be born in different places. But the idea is how can we live as young people as long as we can and then reset, reboot the system. Now, it, it's an interesting uh, synchronicity. Like, as you always know, uh, these kind of things work together. Today, the moon is in Libra, which is a cardinal air sign. And Libra is about partnership. So I thought this would be a great opportunity for you guys to meet my oldest and best friend. We know each other from 1980, which means a whole generation passed since we met in school. Last time we sat like this together, I think, besides airplanes, um, was to uh, cause trouble in high school. And uh, maybe, I, no, it's not true. I was causing trouble in high school. She was actually the star student. That's why she's the CEO of a company. And I'm running around the world talking about synchronicities. But anyway, today the moon is in Libra and the sun is in Capricorn, which is a cardinal earth sign. Earth is very corporal. It's very much about the body. Uh, it has to do also with cells. And of course, uh, I'm an Aries. You know that. It's a cardinal fire sign. That's why I ignited this uh, meeting. And there it happens to be a cancer, which is a cardinal water sign. So we have a full house. If we were playing poker, we have the full house of cardinal um, signs. So it's very auspicious. So thank you very much for joining, whether you're joining on the podcast or you're joining uh, later on in the meeting or if you're joining in the live. And we're going to talk about um, something that is that happened. You know, I travel a lot of time with my supplements. I have C, I have D. I try to get all the letters, you know, not in Greek, but in English, because the Greek letters would mean that I carry some stuff that I shouldn't. But uh, all the vitamins that I believe I need. And very always when we meet, and we meet in crazy places in the world, this is the sanest places we ever met. Uh, she goes over the supplements, and if she doesn't say anything, I know that I'm fine. But sometimes she tells me, uh, you don't have this and that. And I always ask, what is that? And she says, well, that is blah, 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 blah. And I always think, oh, I have to talk about it. I have to tell everybody I know about it. But then I thought today would be a great opportunity to have Vered explain what was missing in my supplements. Because you guys know about D, you know about C. Um, maybe these are things that I didn't know anything about. And really, when I tried them, that was like about six weeks ago, I can tell you that I've been very, very energized. Maybe you guys felt it. And I felt much more in, in, in touch. I uh, feel, especially while traveling the world, with everything that's happening around, being cooped in airplanes and so forth, I really wanted to share these, um, these ways to enhance ourselves. So, Vered, uh, can you first of all introduce what you do, maybe a little bit about your company, by the way, or Genesis? Or, as you know from Kabbalah, we talked about it a lot of time, means light. It's the origin of the tree of life. You know that sometimes we place the Kabbalistic tree of life upside down. It's one of these symbols, unlike the cross, that you can rotate upside down and it totally makes sense. And it's actually a sign of good things because the idea is that the roots of the tree of life is above and the canopy, us, is below. And the roots of the tree of life come from or or Ensof or uh, limitless or infinite light. And Genesis, of course, is 
uh, to begin something new. It's the first word in the, in the Bible. So it's the genesis of light, the genesis of life. So Vered, can you share some of your thoughts and your feelings, Cancer? Thank you. First of all, really excited to talk to you all and be here with Gal. Very amazing for me. Very exciting. <laughs> very emotional. And I'm, my background is engineering, actually cell engineering. Um, cells are little machines. They run around in our body and they're very efficient, keeping us alive and ticking and going. And when we talk about Genesis, creation, right? They create us. They make us. And what I've done in my life <laughs> is work in the area of healthcare, just developing drugs, all kinds of medical things, therapies, very conventional, very scientific. And what my company does, or Genesis, is actually uh, do cell engineering. And we do this for a wide range of diseases. Some of these very difficult diseases, such as cancer, kids' cancer. But in all these different therapies, the common theme is that you take a patient's cell, you take them out of the body, and you reprogram them. You teach them something they've forgotten. You actually remind them what they need to do. And the same science that has developed immensely in the last decade and today can enable saving lives of people with cancer and other treating other difficult conditions, actually also holds in itself the science of our aging. When we age, when we talk about aging, when we talk about growing older, what is actually aging? What is aging is our cells. What is growing more mature, what is becoming older, as we say, are our cells, and our body has many types of cells, but they all originated from the initial cells we were when we were created, the first cell that started duplicating and becoming everything we are. And that's kind of a very holistic approach, right? Because in each cell in our body, we actually hold the information of our entire body. And what science knows today, and what medicine knows today, that if you can go back to that information stored in each of our cells, you can actually remind cells of the job they need to do. So when we talk about aging, sometimes people think of aging or the issue of aging almost in a, as a form of vanity. Oh, I want to look beautiful, I want to stay young so I can look nice, but it's much more than that. When we talk about longevity, when we talk about aging, we're actually talking about sustainability. Sustainability of our society, of our whole social structure. Because if we look today at healthcare expenses, if we look at what happens when we, where is the most cost, it's actually in the last decade of life. So really what we want to do, we want to live a long, healthy life. We want to live our last decade, not as a burden on society, but actually as something uh, creative, something that can give joy to others as part of society. And that's why it's so important we understand the biological mechanisms behind aging. So the same science that can be used to cure disease can be used to prevent disease. 
And when we think of aging in general, there's many aspects of it. There's many hallmarks of aging. There's so much scientific data out there. But really, if you want to focus on one of the important issues, you actually can look at three different pillars. The first one is your immune system. Your immune system, your immune cells, they start aging. And when we say aging of a cell, what we mean is that cell forgets its job. The information in our cells, part of it is genetic, but other, most of it and much of it is epigenetic. It's when and what genes we use. It's how we use that information for different functions. So when our immune cells start aging, they keep dividing. More and more immune cells are made as we grow older. But when this happens, we lose some of that information on the way. Our cells forget. They get mixed up, little mistakes here, little mistakes there, but that accumulates. And we can see this. We can see this in many diseases. Even COVID is a good example, right? Older people suffer more because the immune system has forgotten many things. So one aspect to kind of tackle the issue of aging is really keep your immune system young. And we'll talk in a moment what the things we can do to do that, except for the, you know, the, the the really hardcore science, but just on a daily basis. The other issues is actually the energy our cells use. So our cells are little factories, and each one has its very important job. Neural cells, well, they keep us thinking, they keep us moving. Muscle cells, they keep us strong. All of these cells, they have a powerhouse in them. They have energy that is created in them. And that energy is created by a little powerhouse called mitochondria. mitochondria. Mitochondria used to be separate little creatures. But in the beginning of evolution, when we were still single-cell creatures, all of us, they actually kind of joined forces. And today, in every one of our cells, we actually have mitochondria. We inherited it from our mothers. They even have their own DNA. They have their own genetic code. And what happens when we age? If we think of it, most of evolution, most of our history, has not had us living till the age of 100. We, we lived until we raised our kids and then took a little bit of care of the grandkids and became a little redundant. And as we go more modernized, as we learned how to live longer lives, not all of our cellular components kept up with this process. So our mitochondria... Once we're over age 40, 50, these little energetic powerhouse that burn the fuel we have in our body and create the energy we need for every type of cell, they have lost their reserves. They kind of forget how to multiply, and we don't know as much how to make new ones. They have actually become a little bit mature, older. It's more difficult for them. So one of the things, very important for aging, <laughs> that's my dogs, <laughs> sorry. And so one of the things we do as we age, we need to help our mitochondria replenish in each of the cells of our body. I'm sure some of you have heard of CQ10. That's actually an additive. It's actually a little component on the membranes of mitochondria that actually help mitochondria activate themselves. They help use the energy and make the energy we need. 
So that's a, actually a very good example. Many of us have learned that in order to keep ourselves young, we must exercise a lot. We must do a lot of sport. But as we grow older, one of the things that happens is that every time we exercise, we put stress. And sometimes there's just not enough energy there to be created. And the mitochondria are too stressed. So as we grow older, we should also think of our physical kind of regime. Are we doing too much sport? Are we supplementing enough? So CQ10 is a good example. By the way, there's also a lot of interesting components, even in dark chocolate, for instance, that helps us replenish our mitochondria. So mitochondria is one of the things we really want to keep going well in our body. So all our cells have continuous energy. And we also want to take into account not to overstress them. So if we're doing a lot of sport, we have to notice, are we making sure we're getting enough massages, getting, taking out the components in our muscles that are not helping mitochondria do the job they need to do. So it's really about being attentive and feeling that. Another component is what's known as senescent cells. So our body has uh, a mechanism to make sure that all kinds of cells that may not be 100% perfect or may not have copied themselves exactly the way we want them to, to keep them kind of in store. These are cells, God likes to call them zombie cells, which is a funny name, but these cells, senescent cells, they're not dead, but they're not really functioning. So they're taking a lot of energy, they're using up all kinds of vital things that we need in our body, but they're not being useful. It's kind of, I could say, almost hidden unemployment. So these cells just stick around and don't help much. So today there's tremendous research about how to deal with senescent cells. And there's all kinds of new additives such as uh, M&M and components like that. And there's a lot of research going on. Now, without going into each different additive, one of the things that really helps us make sure we don't have too much of these senescent cells and that we're really making sure that our body knows the right things it needs to do is actually physical stress, not emotional stress. Emotional stress actually has a bad effect on us, but physical stress. Now, I'm sure you, many of you have heard of all these special diets and intermittent fasting. All these things are signaling our cells, listen, you have to make sure you're not laying around, making too much senescent cells, you're really utilizing the, the energy you have, the cells you have to do the most you can. This is actually a development of a very, very ancient evolutionary thing. When the first cells were swimming about in the sea or whatever they were doing, these cells learned something very clever. It's something that actually let them sustain themselves. If things are tough, if there's not enough food, if there's not enough energy, if there's not enough even sunlight, we don't duplicate. We actually keep calm, we stay as we are, and we maintain, we sustain. We become sustainable under physical stress. When our body feels that, that's when these cells realize, and the different biological mechanism around them give a good kind of signaling don't sit around, 
Don't be lazy. Do the utmost you can to keep this body active and young. And so I'm sure a lot of you have heard, for instance, hot and cold or physical stress. All of these exercise, all of these when done, and of course without causing harm, with a little bit of common sense, that's when we actually educate the cells in our body not to be senescent, not to sit around lazily, but to do the most they can and stay young. Because these senescent cells, when they start piling up, they cause a lot of problems. They cause all kinds of problems with inflammation. They just slow the whole system down. And when we, on an, an intimate basis, not all the time, give them a signal, hey, things are, you got to make an effort here. Things are a little bit difficult. There's not enough food, maybe for a few hours. There's a little bit of physical stress here. There's not enough oxygen, which is what happens when we do exercise properly. When, for instance, maybe the temperature is a bit too low, all these signaling tell our cells in our body, you've got you've to sustain, you've got to do the most you can. There's also, as I said, these interesting new additives. There's a lot of research on it, and things are moving very fast in this space. So, you know, if you start reading into the literature, you'll see a lot of scientists are very good at keeping worms <laughs> living much longer, even twice as long. So we're a little bit more complex, but many of the mechanisms that are in very primitive animals still sustain in our cells. So making sure we have enough mitochondria, giving a little bit of physical stress, either by kind of fast a few hours a day by making sure we give a little bit of oxidative stress, right? A little bit of lacking of oxygen, what happens when we exercise properly. A little bit maybe of physical stress in terms of temperature. All of these things are very good to make us stay younger. The third component, which I mentioned in the beginning, is this immune resilience. So our immune cells are amazing, a whole immune system. It's, like, it's almost like a defense force. And you have many types of immune cells. You've got T cells, which are like very directed missiles. You have NK cells, the natural killers, which are actually like the, the, the soldiers marching out in the field. We have dendritic cells, which are very clever intelligence force. They go out, they research, they come back to the home base, and they teach these other cells what they need to do. Immune cells are affected by many things. For instance, they're affected by neuropeptides. Actually, all kinds of components that our neural cells make. And I'm sure many of you have noticed what happens when we become depressed. Many times we become depressed, our immune cells are not activated enough, and they're not working hard enough. And then we're very susceptible to diseases. So one of the things, which is always a good idea, whether you're aging or not, is to just stay happy. Now, science is evolving very quickly. One of the things people are looking at is ways of actually taking these T cells and activating them, not by natural kind of your own neural peptides, but by other external components. But for us, as people, as we mature, we should become more aware of that direct link 
and how important it is for us to really understand the mechanisms of emotional stress that influence us and try to balance that because that actually ages us. Another thing we can always do is to just make sure that we are giving our immune system the right kind of, I would say, health support they need, the food they need, the healthy different ingredients they need. So there's many other components of aging. And again, our body is like a community. It's a community that lives together. It's like a big city with different cell types. And cells, they kind of even, I like to think of them as even having their own consciousness. They have their own understanding of where they belong. And when cells feel good, when they feel they belong, when they feel not too stressed by different chemicals, by different ingredients they are not used to, they become supportive members of the community. But when they start getting all kinds of chemical signals that they don't know, all kinds of ingredients they're not used to biologically, as we grow older, they become less resilient. And it's also an additive effect. Now, what happens when someone, when a cell, does not feel part of the society around it? It becomes very egoistic. It almost, you could say, goes back evolutionary-wise to a very primitive state where it was one cell alone. It wasn't part of a body. And it starts using mechanism, mechanisms that are not social. It starts just worrying about itself. It starts just trying to take all the resources to itself instead of sharing. And it feels secluded, lonely. And when a cell feels that, it starts saying, okay, it's only me here facing all the rest and I'm alone. And in order to be stronger, I have to make more and more cells like myself. That is actually a form of cancer, right? What happens with cancer cells? They forget, they are ignorant, they are part of society. So, almost the basic things. Exercise, good foods, supplements, such as just making sure we have enough minerals, vitamins, supplements that help our mitochondria stay strong, making sure we're not taking all kinds of chemicals that shouldn't be there, maintaining our emotional stress at a level that makes sure our immune cells are functioning properly and making sure our physical stress is giving us enough of a challenge so we're getting the most of what we have. And in general, I think that as science develops, and there's very interesting things happening with actually special uh, programs educating the immune cells to go and kick out senescent cells, different uh, components that allow us to kind of make sure our body is functioning well. But all of this is just another layer of the basic healthy living. I know that many of the people interested in Gal's work see themselves as part of a very holistic universe. Our cells are also part of a very holistic universe. The universe they sense the most is our body and what we bring into that universe. 
And one of the things I'm sure you've also heard is this word telomeres. But telomeres are like these ticking clocks that tell our cells how much they can split up, how much they can go about. And I'm sure in the next few years, science will develop to even make sure we have enough telomere lengths to maintain even an older age. But today, for people living until the age even of 100 and more, telomeres are not the issue. It's very interesting science, but it's actually not the component that makes us really age. It's our cells forgetting their job, and we are here as a community to remind them and help them and supplement them for what they need. So first, I saw a few questions about the actual supplement. So we said NMN, which is kind of funny. It's the opposite than M&M. So if you really like M&M, that makes you old. If you want to unold, I like that word. If you want to unold yourself, NMN, that's how I remember things. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're going to get into this, how I know what to order. The other one was C, right? Q, and then 10. And... Um, then shock the system, you know, shock the system. I like to uh, do cold showers. I don't last that long, especially in Sofia or London. In LA, it's a little bit easier to do cold shower, obviously. But um, then NMN, no, I spelled it N-M-N. It's the letters, the letters, not like the singer. I think there's a singer like that or a rapper, right? But it's different. Then, uh, again, the intermittent fasting, the whole idea is to keep your system a little bit more uh, craving, like feeling as if it's hungry, like it used to be in the past. So try 15 hours, 16 hours. I mean, definitely consult doctors before you do that, but that's something that is, you can definitely do. And exercises, of course, uh, and CQ10. Yeah, somebody wrote it nicer with capital, so it makes sense more. Uh, of course, turmeric and cumin, all of these things, you know, that's why I said in the beginning that I have quite a, a normal knowledge. I think that all of you guys have the same of the supplements that you need. I know that I had the meniscus, so I have to take MSM and I have to uh, make sure that I have turmeric every day for the rest of my life. Everybody has their own regimen in a sense. But what we want you to add to it is those two. Uh, D, of course, is extremely important for especially nowadays you know, all of these, of course, but we're talking about very specifically uh, to increase the mother inside of you, uh, the ability to function, the ability to continue cooking the way she's supposed to cook and not to get tired in the kitchen of the cells. And it's really interesting because this whole idea of community is so important. And that's interesting as well, because we know that the, the sign for science is Aquarius. We're entering the age of Aquarius. The sign of community is Aquarius. Uh, so... It's as if a long time ago, the cells decided to give away a little bit of their individuality in a sense in order to create a community together. There is a compromise of being together. You know, we talked about it with Vered a lot uh, about how people have to accept other people's faults because otherwise you can't live together. That's precisely what the cells did with each other. She didn't like that other cell living up there, always bathing in the sun, but she decided, you know, I'll come with her together. I'm much deeper. I'm deeper in the shallow pool. And I, I don't know, I know more shrimps there or whatever. And I connect 
and I will compromise my son, I will compromise my shrimp, together we will come as a unit. And that's precisely what the age of Aquarius is all about. So as we enter the age of Aquarius, which is the age of unity, the age of the fraternity of humanity, uh, altruism is, is Aquarius. And now we know from research that altruism has actually helped us survive. You know, it's something that we all needed. So as we step closer and closer to the edge of awareness, to the edge of Aquarius, to the edge of equality, the community, yes, you give up a little bit of your individuality, but for the better good, in a sense, to create like what we have in our cell, to create out there in the planet. And hopefully, you know, Aquarius, funny enough, rules also through the tarot card of Aquarius is the star. It also rules extraterrestrials. So maybe we'll be also being able to create the intergalactic, uh, you know, We'll have to compromise some of our humanity in order to be part of something more galactical or intergalactical. So the whole idea, and I talked about it yesterday with Verit. Verit explained how as we get uh, more and more into the future, there's going to be, of course, more acceptance. You see that already in Gen Z and in Alpha. They accept uh, race. They accept um, sexual orientation. They accept the fluidity between binaries. They eventually we will all come together. There will be union between people from the south and the north, people who are dark skinned with lights. Eventually we will get into some place that people would look maybe even more alike. And it's again, everyone giving up some of their individuality to create this reconnection to the oneness. And when the oneness experience itself, it will be able to then again create another, how did you call it? The, we talk out of the vacuum and yeah. new spontaneous creation. <laughs> I think, yes, Gal, I agree with you very much. I think at the cellular level, we people are very much alike. And with that, each of us is extremely unique. Our cells are the basis, our information we have in ourselves is actually the basis of all our interaction with the external world. It's what builds up our ability to feel the world around us. And when that interaction, when that uniqueness, it's like our own very unique view of the world through our genetics, through our epigenetics. We build up our special lens to experience the whole universe around us. And if we want to maintain that uniqueness of ours, we have to take care of these lens. We have to keep cleaning them once in a while to make sure we maintain our uniqueness but always remember that we are part of a community and very much alike at the core. And of course, I see that some people don't like to take pills and it totally makes sense. Some people don't work with it the same way that I can recommend for people to write their feelings and some people say, well, I'm, uh, I'm dyslectic. I don't like to write it. Okay, there's other ways to, again, stress the system in an unstressful way so that you don't have to be stressed. Does that make sense? And if it doesn't, it's kind of a koan from Zen. You know, you stress yourself so that you don't have to be stressed. And that's the idea, I think, uh, in the long run. And that's why, you know, it sounds very Yoda-ish, but I think that's ultimately what mystics have been trying to tell us for a long, long time. And... Again, don't look at it as, a, as a, you know, a list that your mother gave you to the supermarket in the good old days when we had supermarkets uh, in the corner. You know, look, at it almost as, look at it as a concept to think about, to start feeling, because you know, I think that really 
thinking about it right now as we're doing it, in many sense, you are already telling yourselves that, hey, I understand you a little bit better. And I think that, like we said, cells have some element of consciousness. They have to. Otherwise, their totality will not create what we are, which we are definitely a conscious being. And remember, we talked about it a lot of the analogy of how we are coming here with a genetic information. It's like the script that you got. And yet you still have the free will of how you read that script. And that's why some actors get an Oscar for uh, reading uh, To Be or Not To Be and someone gets uh, potatoes and tomatoes thrown on them. It's the same script. It's the same genetic material. So two people can have, identical twins can have the same DNA or the same cells. And yet their choices, their life choices can make complete different how they are. And we said the same thing about astrology, that your genetic is almost like your chart. Yes, you have your Mars in Aries. You're, you're stuck with Mars in Aries. And yes, your moon is in Libra. You can't make decisions. It's okay. But still, you have your choice to work within the range of what you were given. That's where free will and fate come together. So now I wanted to leave a little bit of uh, questions. Maybe Vered can answer. I'll read it for them, for Vered. Um, if you have any questions specifically... You can put it in the chats. Now I'm actually going to pay attention. Sorry. I try to pay attention in between and address some of the issues. And if you guys have it also in uh, the live Instagram, definitely uh, ask. Ask away. And it's kind of interesting that I'm sitting here with uh, Vered, who is a very, you know, her air is rising. So she's very much a warrior. And we are here in Athena, in the realm of Athena, the just war, the goddess that came out of the head, fully clad with a spear and armor, ready to defend, not to attack, but to defend. So that's maybe why she's wearing red, even though I didn't ask her to do that. And I'm actually wearing blue. And uh, we're here to kind of move your immune system a bit. Um, talk about a good daily supplement regime. So I'm not a doctor. I'm an engineer. <laughs> I think, you know, there's so much good advice about supplements but, you know, even when I look at what kind of my company does, which is very personalized medicine, right? We take each patient's cells and reprogram them specifically for him. So I don't think there's one regime that fits all. I think those are basic things that, you know, we all understand. But I do think it's very personal, what are, what's good for you, what's not. I recommended some supplements to my mother, and she was, <laughs> it was really bad for her. And we even have probably a lot of common genetics there. So I really think it's a personal thing and you can feel that. And there's so much, I mean, even many clinicians I know today have really a very holistic approach. I think science in general is becoming more and more holistic and more personalized. So basic vitamins, basic things that, you know, maybe not common. I mean, we're sitting here in Greece, the Mediterranean diet, the Greek diet, it's, it's wonderful, right? It almost leaves no room or need for supplements. It's a wonderful fish for those who eat fish. It's the fresh vegetables. But if you're living in a place where you don't have access to all these vitamins or minerals you need, then fine. But I, I do think it's a very personal thing and there's not kind of one list fits all. And even the things I spoke about, it's really a matter of trial and error. And it also changes. So even if you've been taking the same supplements for, let's say, a decade, maybe it's time to kind of have a look and 
see what's new or kind of reduce some and add some others? I agree. Listen to yourself. Somebody asked here if it should be two months, three months. We're very used to having like, you take this like antibiotics, 10 days, don't stop. And it has to be in the morning before dinner. Blah, blah. These kind of things, you really need to talk to yourselves. I mean, talk to them, listen to them in your meditation. Try to imagine, you know, swimming in this uh, sea of cells and try to kind of hear them to feel their it's not that they're going to talk to you but you're going to start feeling it in your body and specifically we talked about it the shalat halom which is a kabbalistic technique ask your dreams before you go to sleep you know really focus on yourselves imagine them imagine there is a mother character like the three uh, facet goddess you know the goddess that give the thread of life the one that measures and the one that cuts it sounds to me very much like a mythological explanation of the of the cell you know, people here in Greece probably thought about the three fateas or the fates in that terminology or the mother moon, uh, the moon that the new moon, the full moon in the waning moon. But try to listen to your body. Try to ask your dreams for any kind of intuition, because in your dreams, you are in your body. So your cells can talk to you in a way that you can understand. One person asked about uh, chocolate and what is so good about chocolate. So without going on into all the chemical things, there are components in dark chocolate that are actually very important to build up mitochondrial activity. And of course, it doesn't mean you have to sit there and eat <laughs> whole bars of chocolate. But a little bit of dark chocolate helps you kind of supplement some of the stuff your mitochondria really like. <laughs> your mother liked chocolate. Uh, somebody asks if uh, there is, if your company takes blood samples to work out what food or supplements a person uh, may need. So there's, there are all kinds of very interesting programs going on in understanding kind of data of really understanding the genetics and the epigenetics. It's actually a very complex science. And again, as Gal mentioned before, there's a, you have your genetics, okay? And if you, you can do a genetic test and find out, um, uh, okay, what's your tendency? Is milk not good for you? Is bread or certain components of bread? Do you need to exercise every day or every second day? And but does all, Orgenesis does that? Orgenesis has its collaborations with partners, and we are very interested in this field. But I think more important than that is actually the epigenetics, the lifestyle, the kind of the way you've kind of, you can think of almost your genes or your cells as the music that you play on it, right? You get this musical instrument and now what are you turning on and what are you turning off? So there's even more interesting data. There's even uh, biological aging. So a lot that you can actually measure. So yes, we're very involved. We have uh, a lot of interest in this space. Again, coming out of, an, uh, of the concept that, okay, we've developed such amazing, amazing sciences to treat people that are ill, but on the other hand, we can use that same science, that same ability to measure exactly these things in order to really educate ourselves what's the best way to do that. We, I think we've had so many interesting advancements in this knowledge and the knowledge in this area and doing that testing and learning about yourself is also very beneficial but as i said there's also your personal experience 
And also, I'm going to send you guys, but also in the, uh, there is, uh, a, on the beginning of our chat here, I put uh, the website for Genesis so you can look it up and uh, see what they do. And uh, any other questions? I heard that somebody's New Year resolution is to eat more dark chocolate. I don't know if it counts. <laughs> it's kind of, uh, but it's great if you don't eat it. Uh, yes, if you eat milk chocolate and you decide to convert, definitely, this is the time to convert. Well, um, one little step, but... Yes, one step at a time. I think that's great. So, uh, any other questions before we go to what we have next week? Um, we're going to turn back to our, uh, let's see, this one is a little, um, uh, address the toxics. What? Uh, I'm trying to read from the bottom to the up. <laughs> no, we're not. We, we, again, just that you understand, uh, you know me with my moon in Scorpio. And actually, Verid also has the moon in Scorpio. So that's probably what connected us. And Scorpio is death and transformation. We are definitely not afraid of uh, one of the first thing that I remember about what I didn't like there's a difference between when Vera talked to me about it my first reaction was I resisted it because I don't want to live forever and she had to explain to me there is a difference between those people you know there's some yogis in India that claim that they live for 500 years yeah sure and there's people who are obsessed about themselves so much that they want to live for 200 300 freeze their body and all that no 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 I always told her, no, I want to come and experience different kind of egos, different kind of bodies. Maybe I don't want to be bald. Maybe I want to have hair and go out of the water and do like this, <laughs> like I used to do, like dogs do and like I do, you know, and people that with hair do. And maybe one day I want to not come, you know, so hairy. I mean, Jesus, I don't want to start talking about all my issues. But, you know, I want to have some experiencing of different kind of journeys that are, again, defi defined in some degree. It's almost like what kind of thing you want to ride, a horse or a bike, a biogenetics. But the idea is to, as long as you're living, even if you decide that 60 is enough and you want to turn off the switch in 60, great. But live as, as 60 years as if you're 30, you know, on your last day of life. You know, think about Bowie, for example. He's a Capricorn. Capricorn is the sign of maturity. That's why it's so auspicious for us to talk now during Capricorn about this. And his best record for a lot of music critics was done, it was released a month before he died. This guy continued to be creative in the, even though he had cancer. You know, God knows he did a lot of drugs and he did stress his inner mother quite a lot. I'm sure she was completely stressed from him, everything he did, you know. But still, that idea of being creative, being energized, so you go on a run on the last day of your life. That's the idea. You know, the same way that in Native American tradition, they knew when they're going to die and they went up themselves without any help, you know, not connected to any machines, to the mountain to meet uh, the creator. That's what we're looking at. Not necessarily how long you live. This is not a competition. The idea is that how long as you live, you live in a very good, clear, and like Verit said, creative. You are contributing to the gang until you decide it's time to reincarnate. Yeah, we didn't even talk about the, you know, the issue of our kind of neural cells. But if you want to protect your neural cells, your kind of protect your brain not to age. I think uh, use it or lose it, right? Learning new skills, even some that are challenging, doesn't have to be very even juggling <laughs> or any kind of new skill. You don't have to be the best at it. No, trying to learn a new language, just doing new things, kind of 
replenishes your neural cells, exercises them, right? protects them from all kinds of different issues. So that's a great example, right? Just making sure you're beneficial, you're part of society, you can give, you don't have to kind of lean only on others, even though that's not a bad thing also. I mean, it's a chance for others to give you. But trying to make the most of this beautiful gift of life that has evolved to such a wonderful way where we can sit and actually talk about it and pass on information about it to one another. And again, Jupiter is now moving into Pisces. Literally in a few days, we'll see it in a second. We're going to have it on and off next year, as you know from the book. And I, I think that what Verit is trying to describe is try to be a fish out of water. And especially when Jupiter is now in Pisces, a fish out of water is basically trying to do something that, again, will shock the system because you never spoke anything besides English. And now you're going to have to pronounce words that are really alien sounding, you know, and that's enough to create elasticity in your brain. Or dancing. I read a lot of articles about how dancing, learning dancing moves, even if you suck at it. You know, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> eight, one, two. That's another way of shocking that mother in the kitchen that's used to only making spaghetti all the time. And now suddenly you're asking her to make souffle and she's freaking out. But that freaking out creates a story. And she's now heating the oven and she's burning something. But, you know, she's moving. She's burning calories also. So that's what we are asking for you for 2022. Be a fish out of water, especially when Jupiter is moving into Pisces. Then it's moving into Aries, which is totally the immune system because it's the soldier of the Zodiac. So thank you, Verit, not only for hosting me and having to bear with me, uh, but uh, for 42 years now, counting. And uh, our friendship never uh, aged. So thank you. Thank and you. thank you guys for giving me the opportunity to share my friendships. And uh, until now, it was a solo thing. And now in the moon in Libra, we open to something new. Thank you, Verit. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so now uh, let's look at what we have uh, for... Um, let's see if I can actually share this. You're going to go to your dogs? <laughs> I'm going to go to my humans, and you're going to go to your dogs. So let's see uh, what we have this, this week. We're starting in December 26. I hope you had a lovely uh, Christmas. And as you know, we said today, Venus and Pluto are one on top of each other, which is kind of interesting. We ended up talking about what we talked uh, because, again, Capricorn is skin, Capricorn is bones, uh, Capricorn is joints, Capricorn is your knees, Capricorn is your teeth, everything that has to do with karma. So it's actually nice that we ended up talking about that right now. And Venus is on top of Pluto. It's, again, very rare. We talked about it. it's going to happen again in the beginning of March, and it talks about complete transformation of relationships, shedding a lot of things, uh, precisely what we need right now to kind of cut away, let go. Uh, there is a lot of reimagining how you want your relationships to be, whether it's relationships in love, relationships in your business, and also changing your values, changing your way of making money. Again, that's because Venus is on top of Pluto. It's a very slow planet, so it's been going on for a while. And because Venus is retrograding back and forth, she's going to be meeting Pluto again in, um, 
beginning of March, at the end of Venus's shadow. The moon is in um, uh, Virgo, in Libra, sorry, it's moving into, where are we? Ah, I put it on hours, sorry. Uh, I have to change it to days. I moved it into uh, London, so it's more central time. And tomorrow we continue our Venus in uh, Libra uh, on the day of Monday, and we're going to have much more collaboration. The only problem is that the moon is going to be squaring the sun. That's one of the reasons why this talk was kind of interesting, because we had an Aries, a Cancer, a moon in Libra, and a Capricorn, and they were creating the diamond or the square. And the square is, again, tension. But that's what we talked about. The tension doesn't have to be bad. And it's really beautiful now that I think about it. You know, people want me to sometimes, if they have a cesarean, find the best time to get to, to give birth, to give light. And they always tell me, we don't want any squares. We don't want any conflict between the planets. But that's precisely what we talked about. You do need to have some stress. Of course, the whole, the whole chart full of red squares and, and tension is not very nice to the little baby. But some element of stress is necessary. Otherwise, if it's all blue lines, what I mean aspects that are very flowing and no challenges, the kid is never going to grow. It's never. It's going to be like one big siesta from the moment he was born until the moment he dies. You know. So we are having some squares right now between the sun and the moon, especially tomorrow, the day after. It basically means having to readdress your relationship between the masculine and the feminine, especially because also Mars and Venus are not looking eye to eye. You can see that there is a little red line between Mars and Venus. So again, tomorrow might be a little bit stressful. Um, but on the other sense, there is a lot of beauty. And I always want to remember that once a month for two and a half days, we have the moon in Libra. The moon in Libra in the tarot card is the two of swords. Two of swords is called peace. And it talks about some form of a decision you have to make. Maybe what we, what Vera talked about today will inspire some kind of a spiritual decision for you that will carry for at least a month. So the moon in Libra is good for that. And oh, we talked about it last week that the moon and the black moon are actually sending Lilith, what we call very, a very beautiful, good energy. So even nasty women tomorrow to you are going to be kind of nice if you have issues with a woman boss or a mother-in-law or a mother. On Tuesday, we have the moon at the edge of Libra. So be a little bit careful with what we call black, the void of course. It's not going to be so dramatic because we have Pluto there, but the moon and Pluto are squaring. So again, there could be some manipulation, power struggles. And you can see Jupiter is at the edge, edge, edge of Aquarius after a year. Remember last time we talked about last year, we talked about the dawning of the edge of Aquarius because Jupiter and Saturn were together, what is called the Christ year. It was right on December 21, 2020, when we said that there is a new flow of energy and we moved into Aquarius because Jupiter and Saturn were in Aquarius and Saturn and Jupiter shared Aquarius for a long, long time. And on Wednesday, which is... Wednesday, which is December 29, there's a big shift of energy. Jupiter is moving away from Aquarius. It's going to be until May in Pisces, the next sign. And this is actually very good news, especially for you guys, because you deal a lot with intuition, with mysticism, with uh, poetry, with trying to understand or see beyond the veil. And that's something that Jupiter is going to definitely help you. So dreams, intuition, your meditations are going to get much easier, much more flowing. I think that you're also going to feel when Jupiter is in Pisces until May, like we said, an easier way to sit down and be still. You have to be careful, of course, not to get lazy because Jupiter in Pisces could be so nice that you just don't do nothing. But if you can 
challenge your Jupiter in Pisces, like we said, with the Dream Quest. And again, the principle of Dream Quest are very, very easy. You take a glass of water, put it in your nightstand, you drink half of it, and you literally ask your dreams for clarity about a certain situation. Not a question of yes, no, but a general question. Like, can you give me more clarity about my relationship? Can you give me more clarity about my work or how to, uh, how to deal with my uh, kid that is having some hardship right now? or with my health situation. But remember, no, yes, no. Yes, no questions, they don't exist. It's, it's, it's basically a simplification that can't be... You don't want to put it in a binary situation. You're trying to get into oneness. You're trying to get images and symbols. So then when you sleep, if you really don't... If you tell me I never remember my dreams... First of all, if you say I don't dream, it's nonsense. Everybody dreams. As long as you have REM and you're a human, you dream. The thing is that now they know that every hour and a half or so, you're having those REM or closer, especially if they're lo- later in your dream cycles. So you can set a clock. For example, one recommendation was four and a half hours after you go to sleep. And of course, you set another alarm clock to when you're supposed to uh, wake up. I don't want people to get fired because of their dream quest. So you can set it up to four and a half hours, but I really don't think you should force it. You know, I don't think you should... Um, be very, very aggressive with dreams. Pisces is about flow. So try it for a week. And then when you wake up, whatever you remember, take the first of all, take the other half of the glass of water, drink it, and then write whatever impressions you have. It doesn't have to be dreams per se. It doesn't have to have the story. You can have an emotion. You can have the first thought that comes to your head or the first word and play with it, especially now when Jupiter is entering Pisces. Remember, in the beginning of the sign, it's the pure aspect of that sign. You know, the first... 10 degrees, what we call, of the sign is always the double sign. So people are born on the first 10 days of Pisces or the first 10 days of Aries. They're Pisces, Pisces are called. They're Aries, Aries. It's pure energy of that color. It's almost as if before you start mixing it with other colors. So it's the pure form of the color. So now Jupiter in Pisces is very Piscinian and Jupiter is the ruler of Pisces. So again, any to work with dreams, any work with uh, meditation, very good. And next uh, week, we'll talk about the dates that we had Jupiter in Pisces in the past, so you can look back and see any kind of patterns. The moon is also moving that day to Scorpio, which we mentioned here before. Moon in Scorpio is the moon of death and transformation. Moon in Scorpio makes everybody a witch and a warlock. It creates a lot of magic. So the fact that we're going to have Jupiter trining the moon as it enters into Pisces with that moon in Scorpio... A lot of magic, a lot of transformation. And look how many blue lines are there because we have Capricorn, Venus in Capricorn, Mercury in Capricorn, Pluto in Capricorn. It's an Earth sign. We have two planets in Pisces with Minerva, Athena in Pisces, and then we have the moon in Scorpio. It's a very wet uh, thing. Very. We should go to the islands on, um, what is it? Wednesday. Or maybe go uh, meet Apollo in in Delphi. So that again, we're going to have it on Wednesday and Thursday, that energy of pure water. The only thing that day is the moon is opposite to Uranus and that creates a little bit again of unpredictable thing. Uh, Also, it's breaking away from parental influence uh, or anybody who's kind of blocking you or you, if you block yourself through going to old patterns from your uh, childhood. December 30th is a Thursday with the moon is still in Scorpio, sending beautiful energy to Neptune. Again, dreams, meditation, dance, movement, a connection to people from past lives, deja vus, memories that are starting to surface. It's a beautiful time, especially because the moon is sending great energy to Venus, great for women or people who are connected to their feminine side. And also the moon is sending beautiful energy to Pluto, which is the Lord of Scorpio, the moon in Scorpio. Again, a lot of magic. 
Then we have on December 31, the last day of the year, it's a Friday. The moon is going to be in Sagittarius. Actually, it's good for those people who are wanting to have a little bit more of a celebration because the moon in Sagittarius is always fun. And it's Mars in Sagittarius. Just be a little bit careful. Emotionally, you might be a little bit more vulnerable because the moon on top of Mars means some anger. Um, also, the moon is going to be sending beautiful energy to Chiron, the wounded healer. So Mars and moon and all of them sending great energy to Chiron, which is really beautiful for healing, especially with family, family members. Very, very good energy for that. And then we start the year, January 1st, 2022, it's going to be on a Saturday. It's kind of funny that the first day is Saturday, ruled by Saturn. And uh, what day is that? We have the moon still in Sagittarius, which is actually pretty nice. Jupiter sending beautiful energy all around. The only thing with uh, Jupiter is that it's a little bit... Um, no, actually, it's not doing so much uh, a bad thing. I mean, it is squaring the nodal, the, node, the, the lunar nodes, but it's not uh, terrible. You can handle it. And there is no opposition on the first day of the year. So that means that most of our problems are in our head. Again, with the new resolution... Uh, if you look into um, uh, the book, in, there is a whole chapter there about when you can try New Year resolutions. But I think the best would be to, if you can, hold it up until January 2nd. It's going to be next Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll do a little bit of work with uh, the New Year resolution. And even if you're not starting New Year resolution, we'll do a pretty strong meditation next Sunday uh, for the a beginning of something new because even though venus is retrograding we do have the new moon in capricorn so long-term um, resolutions will be perfect for you guys and i'll do the next class i think next sunday we'll meet from uh, israel so we had turkey we now have athens we're going to israel so we're slowly moving around and thank god i just had a i i, I told varied yeah the class is going to be at nine o'clock because last week it was nine o'clock for me in istanbul and then i remembered that here we are an hour difference. But don't worry, I'm, I'm not going to make mistakes like that, I hope. So thank you very much for um, um, keeping us company. And I hope that what we talked today inspired you to be healthier and happier and talk to your little cells and the mama inside of your cells. Uh, I think that if we have images of those cells, you know, like cartoons, uh, I think it will uh, be very, very good if you can personify uh, yourselves and then there's going to be easier communication so again thanks a lot to all of you guys merry christmas you know what they said in the research that to overcome your uh, christmas dinner you have to walk 12 hours so start walking we talked about it last week it's kind of funny and then i saw that article about it so i think we talked a little bit about it last time again thank you very much and um have a beautiful Sunday if you're getting it on Sunday or whatever. Have a great week. Love you all and have a beautiful, beautiful uh, new year.